Good morning. Welcome to North Point. We're glad that you've joined us. We hope that uh, what happens in the next 45 minutes or so will encourage you incredibly. Um, a couple of things just as we get started. Would you take just a second and take a picture of you in your living room uh, watching, the, watching this video and then just post it to the North Point Facebook page? And then would you go, uh, go ahead and, and take a second and just share that you're watching this service, share it with your friends, f- share it on your Facebook page so other people can enjoy it as well. That would be great. We're going to start today with a song that I think is so appropriate for us. It's a song that if you've been at North Point for a while, you you know this. Uh, if not, you'll be encouraged by it because it fits so well with the circumstances that are going on all around us. Take it away, Jamie. darkness tries to roll over my bones sorrow comes to steal the joy I am my brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when standing in your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken It's my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. Stand a chance when I stand 
chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Standing in your love. Standing on the right. Oh, I'm standing, standing in your love. Good morning, North Point, or good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever you're joining us for a digital North Point creative way for us just to worship together. We want to do something right now. We want to have you fill out our welcome books. We're going to do that digitally. So get your North Point app and uh, open that up. Like three levels down, you're going to see something that says, let's connect. And we want you to right now open that, fill that out. Don't worry, I'll wait. Okay, that's probably long enough. Keep filling it out if it took you a little longer. No problem. Keep filling that out. We just want to know that you are with us uh, today, and that's just a really, really helpful thing for us. I just want to let you know a couple of things that uh, are going to be happening over the next few weeks. Uh, obviously, you've already figured out that we are meeting online through April 5th, and uh, what we want to uh, make sure we keep you up to date on when that changes, and so uh, be sure we have your correct email address. Matter of fact, as you're filling out that virtual welcome book, it'd be a great time to make sure we have your current email address so we can keep communicating about how these digital services are going to be going and how long that's going to last. Also, we want to let you know that all equip groups, life groups, care groups, all those are on pause until after April 5th. This is no way due to fear, but rather we are all about social solidarity and flattening the curve. This is literally the most practical way to serve and love our community, and so we are happy to do that. may not be optimal for us, but certainly it is a simple way that we can serve and love the people around us the way that Jesus would want us to. So we want to take a minute right now, hopefully you're done filling out that welcome book to collect this morning's offering. Now, in a second, you're going to hear a knock on your door. One of our ushers is in your neighborhood. No, I'm just kidding. That's That would be weird if that happened. Imagine if like a salesman was at your door right now. You'd be totally freaked out. That'd be great. But it's not true. Our ushers are not there. We're actually going to do our offering digitally as well. And so I know a number of us give electronically. That's our regular habit. We are very appreciative and thankful. So thankful for that. That has been noticed and felt. But if you've never given electronically, now is your time to do that. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can do that online. You can do that in the app. Or you can do that by text. You can text uh, to NCC Give to this number, 77977. You're able to give that way. Uh, the reality is that we know there's going to be a number of needs that arise from the COVID response. And we want to be ready to respond to those needs. So we want you to ask you, to challenge you, to invite you to give just like you normally would or, or even maybe more so in these current times. And again, lots of ways to do that. If you'd like to text to do that, text NCC Give to the number 77977. You can also give electronically through the app uh, or through the website. Now, if you're not comfortable giving electronically and you want to go old school and write a check and mail it to the church office, feel free to do that. We do have staff. We'll be collecting those and be sure to take care of that. Now, for you millennials that don't know what I just said because you don't know what a check is, that's okay. Don't sweat it. No big deal. Don't even remember any part of this, but for the rest of the folks, feel free to give that way as well. 
We want to take another opportunity digitally to do something unique this morning, and that is to share in communion together. So Amy, take it away. Hey, North Point, we are going to take communion together now virtually. We have never done this before as a church body, and so this is a whole new experience for all of us. The cool thing is, is we are not the only ones. There are churches and uh, Christians all over the world who are taking in communion together, um, finding ways to still meet together and be close in this um, experiment of social isolation that we are all going through right now. So um, while it can be crazy to think that we're doing communion this way, there's also comfort in knowing that we are in this together. And uh, what a great opportunity we have right now to just rise up as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, and celebrate who he is and thank him for, for what he's doing. So um, if you aren't prepared with uh, communion elements right now, why don't you pause this video and grab whatever you can at home to make this work. Uh, we, in my home, we're going to be just using Ritz crackers broken up. And then I had some extra um, cough syrup cups laying around that I filled with grape juice. So if you have something like that, go ahead and pause this video and grab and then meet me right back here. Okay, so you have what you need, and uh, we are going to get started. I wanted to read from the account of the Last Supper in the book of Luke. Now, you can find the story of the Last Supper in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also in the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul gives a little bit more of a um, his perspective on why we do communion. It's really good. You should read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, but I'm reading from Luke 22 verse 19 and 20. Uh, he, Jesus, took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice to you. Now, Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, he knew exactly what he was going to be doing. He knew that he was going to be giving his body um, for death to pay for our sins. He knew that he was going to be dying an extremely, excruciatingly painful death um, and hung on the cross out of his love for us. The disciples didn't know that. They didn't get that yet. But he wanted to leave them with a reminder of... Um, this thing that we now, now call communion, um, for them to, to gather together after he was gone to reflect and to be reminded of Jesus's intense love for us. Uh, so when he's saying, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. What he's saying is that when you gather together, because you will, you're going to gather together. I want you to take time together to remember what I've done and to remember my love for you. And what I did for you, my body broken, beaten, and killed for you, my blood shed for you. So those those elements, the bread and the wine or the juice, those are reminders of what Jesus did for us. So if you have your elements ready, we are going to take in communion together. Now normally um, we spend some time in quiet reflection, just praying, thanking God uh, for what he's done or Maybe if we need some things to work out with God, that would be the time to do it. Um, so you can go ahead 
pause that video again if that's something that you need to do. Um, spend some time in prayer with God and then come back and we'll finish in taking communion. All right, so go ahead and take your bread. And your juice. Thank you, North Point, for participating in communion with us today. Isn't it incredible to be able to share communion together in our homes with fellow Christians from around the world? I, I just think that's such a neat thing uh, that, that just demonstrates the bigness of God. What I'd like for us to do right now is to just take some time and to pray for what's going on in the world. And, um, and so if you would just join me in prayer uh, as we pray for, for all kinds of things. Father God, uh, these are really uncertain times, but they're times that we know that we can trust in you. We know that you never change, that you're not surprised. Um, God, that, that you care about every aspect of our lives. And uh, we thank you that we can talk to you today. Uh, just just as we are right now. Lord, we ask that you'd be with, with the medical professionals, with all the people who are helping take care of people who are sick. Um, God, for a lot of them, they're, they're exposed to all kinds of things. They're nervous for their families. And just give them a sense of peace. And, and God, we ask for protection for them. Uh, Lord, we, we ask that you would be with our leaders as they make decisions for how to manage uh, this, this virus and how to help us be able to cope with it in a way that's safe and that, and that makes, uh, just makes a lot of sense. Um, God, I, I pray for families right now, uh, for moms and dads that are trying to figure out what life looks like with, with their kids at home all the time. Most families, that's not the norm. And we ask that you'd give them patience and that you'd give them uh, tons of insight, too, that, that this might be um, a, a time that makes memories that last the lifetime of, of their kids, time that they were able to spend with mom and dad in a way that they couldn't usually. Father, we ask that, uh, that you'd be with everybody who, who is watching today, that you would come in, that you would give them a sense of peace and calm and that uh, they would sense your presence and that they would hear from you as we study together. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I just want to let you know, first of all, that everything is okay. If Chris Carter is here in worship and he's wearing plaid, everything's fine. There are some uh, really cool things that are going on technologically. It's so great to be able to just talk to you in your home or uh, wherever you are on, on your phone and to be able to communicate today. Uh, this past week, we're, we're trying to figure out what it looks like to do ministry in this current context. And so we've done all kinds of virtual meetings. Uh, our student ministry is still meeting on Wednesday nights, but they're doing it virtually uh, where everybody signs in from home and they're able to play games. They're able to interact with each other. And that's just incredibly cool. Uh, life groups are doing the same thing, to be able to check on each other and to pray with each other and pray for each other in in their own homes. That, that's just outstanding. So uh, this is a new territory, and uh, we're, we're all learning together, and God's leading through that process. The, the important thing is that he is with us. He is uh, Emmanuel. Uh, Jesus is here. And, uh, and so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to worry we just need to walk with him one step at a time and trust him to guide us through each step of the process. 
One of the things that I love about Scripture is that it is incredibly relevant no matter what's going on in the world. Uh, life as we knew it two or three weeks ago, Jesus was with us. Life as we know it this morning, Jesus is with us, and, he, and God's Word is speaking to us where we are. When we began to plan for this series called Power, that's from the book of Ephesians, we had no idea that that things would be the way that they are right now. And so as as we've studied the scripture together, as we begin to unpack it and to move through the series, there's a sense that we are uh, so so much in need of this message that God is the one who empowers us, who gives us the power to live each day. I trust that today's message is going to help you. It's going to put things in perspective, and it's going to give you some direction as well. If you didn't get a chance to watch the first week of the series last week, I'd encourage you to, to do that, to take some time and do that. Go back afterwards and, and just uh, find last week's message on YouTube, on the, on the North Point Facebook site, um, through the app or through the website, through any of those avenues. Uh, you can find it and watch it and so that you can kind of be caught up in this Powered series. If you're ready, go ahead and take out uh, take out the app for the sermon notes that are there. Maybe get a, a pad, piece of paper, some things that you can write with and just kind of process this. Take out your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 15 and read the scripture that, that we have for today. I do want to say, if you have a little bit of trouble with, with the app notes, don't be shaken by that. Um, there's somewhere between 300,000 and 400,000 churches across the United States who are meeting virtually like we are today. And I think the bandwidth on the internet has been impacted. Last week, as I try, as I watched the message and tried to get out my app notes, I never was able to get them to come up on Sunday morning. It wasn't a problem from our end. It was because the internet was, was being used in a different kind of way. So don't be shaken if that happens as well. Here we are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's a phrase in there that really is the heart of our message today. It's, uh, it's uh, in the, at the very end of verse 17 where Paul says, I keep asking God uh, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. That's, that's what we want. That's what we need this morning, right? To know God better. How do you, how do you get to know someone better? What's that process? 
Here's what I'd like for you to do right now in your home. Maybe you're watching with your spouse. Maybe you're watching with your kids. Uh, Maybe you're just kind of watching by yourself. But uh, here's what I'd like for you to do. Just pause the video for a moment and, and retell the story, if you're married, of how you got to know each other. Maybe you've been married a long time. Uh, and it's just good to talk about what it looked like when you began, when you first met each other and when you began to date. But I want you to just think about how you got to know each other better. So go ahead and do that right now. I hope that was lots of fun to retell that story and to think about how, how your relationship began and really began to grow uh, as, as you spent time together. I, I think that relationships grow as time is observed, as, as we log time with each other. I remember as a kid when, when I, I was dreaming of dating and my, and my mom said, the, the best thing that you can do when you start to pay attention to girls is to, is to go out with girls in a large group of people because you can see how they react to other people, how they interact with other people. You can observe the way that they treat people, the people that they want to get to know, and maybe some people that they don't like so much, how is it that they treat them? Her advice was all about observing the way that people interacted with others because that's the beginning of what a relationship looks like. You begin to see, oh, they're kind to everyone, or boy, they don't pay attention to people at all. When we think about getting to know God, one of the things that starts our relationship with him is that we watch how God interacts with other people. We begin to see his tenderness and his gentleness with, 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 with us and with others. We begin to see his consistency and his faithfulness, and we observe who God is by spending time just, just watching for what, uh, what he does. Uh, just a, a few years ago, I, uh, we were involved in an interview with a potential staff person at the at the church, and uh, we went out to a restaurant. and It was it was a very interesting thing because in that uh, in that lunch that we spent together at the restaurant, we all collectively determined that they weren't a good match for us, and it was because of the way that they treated the the uh, the waitress at the restaurant, the server. Um, Observing how people interact with each other is a way to get to know them. Observing how God interacts with us is a, is a way to get to know him. Time invested is a second way that we get to, to know someone, the way that we get to know God. This, this is the time that you spend directly interacting with people, where you're asking them questions, where you're telling your story and hearing their story. When we invest time, our relationship immediately begins to go deeper. And when we invest time in our relationship with God, all of a sudden we begin to understand who he is at a completely different kind of level. Our relationship with him can't, go, can't grow deep if we only observe him. It's when we begin to invest ourselves into that relationship that we really begin to understand who he is and how he relates to us. The third thing that happens is... Uh, is in a, in a deepening relationship is that we see how that person acts or interacts when things get tough, when time is tested. Uh, for most people, uh, when, they encounter, when they encounter obstacles and, and difficulties, when they have their first fight, that's so important. It always scares me. It always 
scares me when I do premarital counseling with a couple and, and I ask, okay, tell me about the worst fight that you've had. And they say, oh, we've never had a fight. We just love each other. We're so perfect for each other. That's a warning sign for me because they need to, to understand, to experience together what it is to face an obstacle, to face um, a problem, and to be able to work through that together. I talked a little bit ago about my mom and her advice before I ever started dating. I remember my dad said to me this. He said, before you ever get engaged to a young woman, you need to play Monopoly with her. And I said, Dad, what's that about? He said, you need to play Monopoly and you'll understand. Because what happens in a game of Monopoly? All of a sudden, your true colors begin to show. When you've got a stash of money and, uh, and they don't have any, are you kind? Are you generous? Are you, are, are, are you, uh, a miser? You know, how do you, how do you act that way? Deb's mom, my mother-in-law, had similar kind of advice. She said, before you ever get engaged, you need to, you need to, uh, put up wallpaper together because that's going to create so much stress in your relationship that you'll either figure out how to do it and do it well or it's going to drive you apart. Time-tested relationships grow deep. And here's the thing. When we talk about getting to know God, um, we need to recognize that we can face adversity with him and not be shaken in our relationship with him. That God's consistency and his faithfulness, his tenderness through that adversity, sometimes him, him just walking with us through, those, the, through that adversity is so critical to getting to know him to know his character and his nature. How is it that we respond to him in a time of crisis? How is it that he responds to us? Um, here, here really is the $64,000 question out of this passage uh, for us. How much do you want to get to know Jesus? How high of priority is that for you? Are you content to know about Jesus or, would, or do you want to know Jesus? Wilbur Rees wrote a little poem that I think is so good on this. It's called $3 Worth of God. Uh, this is what he wrote. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. That's the question for us. How much do you want to get to know Jesus? How, how well do you want to know him? Do you want to let him into everything uh, that's a part of your life? Do you want to be in the crowd or do you want to be a disciple? Jesus would ultimately say to the people in the crowd, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Even though you've done great things in my name, I never knew you. But to his disciples, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. What's a disciple? It's someone who follows Jesus, who's being transformed by Jesus, and someone who's committed to the mission of Jesus. Do you want to be a part of the crowd, or do you want to be a disciple? When, when you're dating, there comes a time in that relationship when you say, 
Is this the person that I want to commit to sharing together in a lifetime relationship or not? If so, if I do that, there's going to be a lot of things in my life that change. I'm going to start doing some things that this person that I love also loves. And I'm going to stop doing some things that they don't love. Is that, am I okay with that? Is that what I want? For us, as we consider our relationship with Jesus, with knowing who God is, there's a question that says, how bad do I want this? Do I want what God wants to take hold in my life and to begin to transform my heart, my desire, my will? You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And yet, Deb loves me after 38 years of, of being married. She knows my faults but she sees past them. That's a picture of God's love for us. He knows our faults. He knows our weaknesses. He knows when we mess up. And yet he continues to love us without reservation. He sees in us his, uh, his imprint of himself, and he wants to be in relationship with us. I, I have tremendous respect for a man that I taught with at Ozark Christian College when I was on staff. There. He was actually the academic dean, and I remember him saying over and over again this particular phrase to students, but also to the faculty, dig your well deep, Mark Scott would say. Dig your well deep. What, what did he mean by that? He meant that while they were students in a Bible college, in a seminary kind of setting, it was so important that they really dug into God's word, that they didn't just go to class and pass tests to get good grades but they they really wrestled with who God was, that they wrestled with the eternal truths of Scripture, that that they dug deep into God's Word and began to internalize it in their life. Because there's going to come a time that water that you're served isn't enough and that you have to have this well that's deep, that when you go through the desert, when you go through the dry period, that, that you're sustained because you know God. You know who he is. You know his word. And that sees you through those times. If your well hasn't been dug deep, let me encourage you. You need to, you need to grab that shovel. You need to forget Netflix. You need to forget Amazon Prime. You need to forget Disney Plus and dive into scripture this week. For many of us, we're at home. We're working from home. We've got time that we didn't typically have before. We don't have the demands that we've had Let me encourage you to dig your well deep during this season. You know, Paul said, my prayer is that you would know God, that you would know Christ. What what were the specifics of that prayer? Look at verse 18. It says, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The word for hope in the original language in Paul's letter means a confident expectation or a divine guarantee. God has called us to live lives of hope. Jesus went to the cross so that we could live lives of hope. It's not just the hope of heaven, though it certainly is that. Heaven's going to be incredible, and we can look forward to that with incredible anticipation. But it's to live in hope now, in the midst of our circumstances, knowing that God is in control. Is there, is there anything that you need to see you through the COVID-19 crisis more than hope? I, I don't think so. 
Understand that God is in control of everything that's happening in our lives. He's, he's in control of how it's going to impact us. We can trust him through this process. God's in control of your body, whether it breaks down from illness or old age. God is in control of your financial situation. God is in control of your relationships, even though you may be separated from family and friends in a way that you've never experienced before. God is in control of your situation at work with your employment. We can trust him and we can hope in him. Hope hope isn't just a positive outlook. It's not just optimism. Hope is the divine guarantee that God will never leave us or forsake us. Hope is the confident expectation, as Paul wrote to the church in Rome, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can stop that. There's incredible hope in that truth. If you're isolated today, God's with you. Nothing can separate you from his love. If you're scared about what's going to happen in the future, we can hope in God and know that he's with us each step of the way. The, whole, the Holy Spirit living in us, that engagement ring that we talked about, is a hope that the world doesn't have unless they know Jesus. God has called us to hope. It's not an optional thing. What, what did Paul say? Uh, what did Paul pray for the Christians in Ephesus? Uh, verse 18 again, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. A few weeks ago, Deb and I were able to, to be in Florida. I've got a sister that lives in Fort Lauderdale. And I, we were sitting in a restaurant talking. This was back in January. And we were talking about the things that we can do and that kind of thing. And it's because of the inheritance, the financial inheritance that our mom and dad gave to each of the kids. We have flexibility financially that we've never had before in our lives because of the inheritance that came from mom and dad. It's interesting in talking with my sister that the financial inheritance is a great thing, but the inheritance that we've received from them spiritually is far more important than the financial piece. Both are nice. I, I, you know, b- both are important, but the spiritual piece is so much more important. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, understand that you have received this rich inheritance from God what, uh, that, that allows us to live holy lives. What, what is that? It's the hope that we've already talked about. I think, I think that a part of that inheritance, the riches of that inheritance, is peace as well. The God of peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, Scripture tells us. We don't need to sweat the small stuff. We can recognize that God's Spirit living in us gives us this sense of peace. Another part of that inheritance is a freedom from sin, that we're not bound by sin. We don't have the bondage of that. We're not slaves as we were before we knew Jesus. That that really is a big deal. Uh, Understand that sin drove this wedge between us and God. We couldn't really know God as long as that, that sinfulness stood between us and him. But that when Jesus went to the cross, when he took 
our punishment for that sin on himself, it changed everything. And it allowed us to know God in a new way for those barriers to come down and for us to be in relationship with him. That freedom from sin, that holiness to which we're called, it's it's an interesting thing for us in this life. I think for many of us, we see holiness uh, as a bad thing. We see it as an enemy. We see it as, oh, if we're holy, we're going to miss out on all the good stuff of life. Um, We will miss out on some things, but the things that we'll miss out are not necessarily good for us. When I think of the people that I've known, uh, uh, there are so many people who, because of the, the lack of their holiness, their lives have been so damaged by sin. Their relationships have been so damaged by sin. And that when we grasp this sense that we're called to live holy lives, that we're called to have this sense of peace, uh, that, that we're called to have this inheritance of freedom from sin, that it really does begin to transform us and change us from the inside out. That's what having a relationship with Jesus is all about. I've got a friend at the Y that comes in about when I do that uh, I ask him his story because his his physical body is is uh, is broken. Uh, he struggles. He walks with a limp. It's hard for him to do a lot of things. His body is not very limber. And and he said uh, for him what happened was in a in a in a fit full of drunkenness. He got into an argument, got into a fight. It was, it was terrible. He ended up um, falling down a flight of steps that permanently injured his body. It permanently affected and impacted his brain. It was all the result of a brokenness that comes as a result of sin in our lives. The glorious inheritance we have from Jesus allows us to avoid that as we live holy lives, to be remade, to be transformed. Um, You know, it talks about that holiness that we have as the children of God. And as as I was working on the message this week, I I was just thinking, we are so, so blessed by having served in six different churches in our lives. We have friends literally across the country and around the world, um, friends that are so special that we can pick up with that that friendship is rooted in Jesus, in our ability to serve, uh, in in the times that we've had to serve together, um, to serve Jesus together. Uh, it's, It's powerful. Don't miss the inheritance that we have. What did Paul pray for? He prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we would know the hope to which he's called us, that we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and that we would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. What's that power about? That power is about the ability to change, to live a changed life. It's about the power to live differently in this world, to live differently than everyone else around us. It's about the power to conquer death. We live right now in a world that really is characterized by fear. And as followers of Jesus we don't need to. Um, you know, uh, it, it's not that we're, that we're, um, that we're ignorant, that we, that we just ignore everything that's going around us. Not that at all. We just recognize that the circumstances of our life are always the circumstances of our life. And that God walks with us and wants to transform us 
and to make us into his image. And that he gives us the power to do that as we believe in Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to change everything and to, and to, uh, and to demonstrate God's power to turn the world upside down. You know, um, there's a question that that's, I, th- I think is there. Who has more power? Is the person who reacts um, who reacts when they're picked on and, and they lash out, is that the person with power? Or is the person with power the one who doesn't respond, who doesn't try and get even? Is the, is the person with power the person like Goliath, who's this giant with all this armor, with all these muscles? Or is the person with power the shepherd boy with a few rocks and a slingshot who knows and trusts God? Is the person with power the king of Babylon or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are thrown into the fiery furnace for their unwillingness to, to give in to the king's demands and to say, we, we know that God has the ability to save us and even if he doesn't, we won't stop serving him. Who has the power? Was it Pilate, the governor of Judea, who, who led over the trial of Jesus? Or was it the innocent man who was sentenced to die on a cross for us? That power, that power that can change lives, that can change destinies, that can change a country and change the world, is it all comes from God. It's not from within us. It's from this unwa- unwavering faith that God is who he said he is and that he never changes. That power in our lives comes from knowing him. The call today is to know him. What changed Jesus' disciples from the time that Jesus was arrested and they fled and they ran away for their safety from, the time, from that time until the time that they died a martyr's death, unwilling to recant their faith, unwilling to reject their knowledge of Jesus? It was because they knew him. They knew the power of his resurrection. The power wasn't in themselves. It was in Jesus and the truth of God's word. You know, there's a phrase that says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, and to a large degree, that's, that's really true. The administrative assistant can screen every person who comes into the owner of the company's office, except their son, except the, the, the owner's son. He can walk in at any point in time because of the relationship that, we, that he has. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And when we know God, it opens the door for his power in our life in a way that we can't imagine. Well, what, what do you do with today's message? You're sitting at home, you're trying to figure out, okay, I, yes, I want to know God. I, I want my relationship with him. I don't want to just know of Christ. I want to know Jesus. What do you do? Let me just encourage you in this time, dive back into scripture. Maybe you haven't read God's word for a while. Dive back into scripture and, and begin to see who God is. My suggestion this week is that, that, you, that you read in the book of Psalms because you see the character and nature of God over and over again in the Psalms, that you read in the Gospels and that you read the story of Jesus. There, there's a, a book uh, to read alongside Scripture that, that I'd recommend uh, real clearly. It's a book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's a tremendous book that will deal with deep theological issues. Uh, it will give you a lot to just think about and work through. It'll, it will direct you into scripture. 
maybe, maybe the thing that you need to do is order that on Audible or maybe have it sent to your house and pick it up and begin to read it this week. Um, the third thing that I want to just challenge you to do is this. Find answers to the question, what does God want me to do today, in this place, in this time, in light of the COVID-19 crisis? God, I know that you don't want me to just sit at home and not do anything, to just binge watch, to, to just kind of twiddle my thumbs. What is it that you want me to do to be light and salt in my world today? That's the question that comes from knowing God and knowing that his power lives in us. He didn't put that power there to waste it, but to use it, to employ it, to allow his kingdom to expand. Figure out what what that is. That's the question that I want to challenge you with. Uh, In the 1980s, there was a song that I can still hear in my mind. As as we were talking about this particular service, I was talking with Jamie about it, with Jamie and Tim, and uh, and I played a little bit of it for them, and they laughed their heads off because it was a song from the 1980s, and it sounded like a song from the 1980s. But it so captures my heart in this message, and I think it so captures what Paul was communicating in the end of Ephesians chapter 1. It's a song by Steve Green. Here are the lyrics. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. To feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. May that be our prayer today. Let's pray. God, that's it. That's what we want. Help us to turn to you with our whole hearts, to not get distracted by all the stuff, but to look into your eyes and say, I want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day. Enjoy your family. We'll see you. Does it stand a chance when I stand in your love? My fear, does it stand a chance when I stand in your love? My fear, does it stand a chance when I stand in your love? Standing in your love. Standing up.